Welcome back to the Spook House. Dog, do you want to finish that song real quick? Lick that pussy just like you stood my neck. Oh, my There crack. it is. My pussy and my crack. Oh. <laughs> All right. I'm Phil. Kia. Kia or Keisha? I think it was Kia. This is not how I thought this episode would start off. No. My name is Phil. Y'all know my co-host, Doug. Lick my pussy and my crack, Galliardo. <laughs> How are you tonight? I'm so good now that you just made that my official nickname. <laughs> I thought you were going to go with Linguini instead of Lick. Like Linguini, my pussy, and my crack. But <laughs> Lick is, Boy. is good. If I had a pussy, I would want it to be licked by Linguini. If I had any hope of this episode on YouTube ever being like, I don't know, monetized one day. I just ruined the chances. It's okay. I think, no, pussy's allowed. Isn't it? Pussy's a scientific word. <laughs> Put the pussy on a pedestal. Stop. I don't want to say the word anymore. What word? Pussy. I don't want to say it. And now welcome to a retrospective of 40-year-old virgin with Phil and Doug. Oh, man. We are off the rails already. Um, and this is like a pretty serious movie. So I was like preparing myself all day. Like, I've, I'm not going to lie. I've been like nervous about this episode. Really? Yeah. Like, it, it feels like a... Like a like a heavy hitter for me because I don't know this movie it did uh it it hit me pretty good I gotta say it's a very strong debut yeah from these uh from the Raka Raka guys these Australian filmmakers did you know that Jordan Pill reached out to them and was like hey you inspired me I didn't know the ins and outs of that I did see on um. I was uh, browsing through their Instagram and I know uh, they posted a picture in like the A24 studios in New York City, which was really cool. Uh, And they did post a picture with Jordan Peele and also Sam Raimi. So they're like among some heavy hitters in horror. So that's really cool that they can kind of bounce off of each other and get ideas from each other. And they have like, I don't know, that'd be really cool if the Racker Racker Brothers use Jordan Peele as like someone to get advice from. Because they're off to, and this movie, I will say, didn't hit for me as it did for you. But, I mean, filmmaking-wise, I feel like they're off to a great start if this is how, if this is their feature film debut. Yeah, from a technical standpoint, every, I don't think there was a single shot in this movie where I didn't find something interesting. Either like a cool angle or a transition. The sound design was so good. I mean, if you haven't seen this in theaters, I highly recommend it, or at least with a really good surround sound. For example, like, it's just a video I just saw, so it's fresh in my mind. When Mia first grabs the hand and she sees that bloated-looking woman that drowned, there's like a water effect playing, because you're hearing the way that she died. Just shit like that. It just adds layers to it. Yeah, they did a really good job. I mean, I don't know where you want to start because there is a lot of there is a lot to say about this movie. It was very hyped for a lot of people. People seem to be really gravitating towards it and saying it's like the scariest movie of the year. While I won't say that, it might be, I mean, judging from this year, 2023, I feel like it's would, the best I of the like year. I would have to put it as the best of the year in yeah. in horror for sure. Yeah, easily. Uh, I mean, yeah, without question. I can't think of any others that top it, really. Scream, yeah. Evil Dead Rise, The Boogeyman. Um, uh, am I missing something? 
Insidious, the Red Door. Definitely. That might be the lowest of the low. The lowest. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. The way it was shot, the way it was made, the writing was very, uh, it tried to go for a hereditary type type of story with like the family drama, I feel like. Hereditary-esque, not a rip. Yeah, I mean, as far as a debut film, I would put this up there. I mean, Hereditary was Ari Aster's debut full-length film. Get Out was Jordan Pills. Um, What are some other ones? I feel like this movie can sit at the big boys' table in the cafeteria. It can so hang. to speak. It can hang. It's like, the, it's like the fresh blood, but like it still has a... I th- feel like they have... They have a lot of potential, is what I'm trying to say. They have a lot of work to do, but what they did with this movie, I feel like I feel like I, I'm so conflicted with this movie. Okay, I really so don't let's... know how to. I don't hate it, but I don't love it. All right, so like, let me yeah, let me paint a picture for you. Um, the other day, I was eating a uh, eating a burrito, enjoying some chips, and I, I get a little text from Doug, and it says. You gave this a 10 out of 10? And I said, God damn it. But you took it out of context because... I was like... I just like put my phone down and I I don't... I had this gut feeling. I was like, this motherfucker's not going to like it. And I was like, just please. But you know what? That's cool that you're not as hyped on it as I am and a lot of people because... Look, we've been agreeing too much this year. That's right. Usually... We never agree. It's a full-on battle royale verbally every time we film an episode. But this, I mean, this movie, I feel so, I, I want to love it more. And by the way, and we both saw it twice. Yeah. Phil saw it uh, like a week before it actually came out, before it hit a wide release. I saw it opening weekend and a couple days after. Uh, and I was happy I saw it again because I did enjoy it the second time. Phil also loved it more the second time and was looking for Easter eggs and stuff like that. And yeah, I appreciated more of the, um, I was kind of looking for little clues or foreshadowing to certain things. And so let me ask you on your second watch, what changed from your first one? D- like, you what did you honestly? Notice? Sure. I wasn't you that no- tired. <laughs> I was <laughs> so tired when I saw it, when I saw it the first time. And I was, I was like, just like, I wasn't like in a zombified state, but I was just like, I was tired. So like, you know, when your brain's all foggy and you're just focused on sleep and I was just like, uh, yeah, it was okay. Um, uh-huh. and the second time I was more alert and I was like, oh, okay. This isn't as slow moving as I thought it was the first time. Cause it felt the scenes felt like they dragged on a little too long. Like there was no balance between the scares and like the family drama stuff like kind of uh like sorry this is gonna be a spoiler review by the way uh oh yeah all the spoilers so if you haven't seen this back out now because we don't know how to rarely know how to talk about a movie without just spoiling something right away we may already have i don't it's been out for one full weekend if you haven't seen talk to me definitely go see it in the theater while it's still there they're adding theaters because it is making the most money right now it's still hanging in the top five uh four and a half million dollar budget i think the first weekend it made 10 million so a24 with the incredible budgets caring about their actors and directors um 
But yeah, just when Mia was going through like that internal fight and internal struggle between like whether her mom committed suicide or she died on purpose and took the sleeping pills on purpose, like I felt like that was a a focal point to mm-hmm. watch the first watch, but it really uh and it's not a fast paced movie, but I felt like once it got going, once they did once they held the hand and did the talk to me thing it it picked up a little bit once the rest yeah. of the cast started to spiral and like figure out what's going on kind of yeah on first watch i kind of thought the same thing i was like i don't know if you'd say it's a trend to always have your movie be about something like uh, an exploration of grief or trauma and on first watch i was like oh, maybe they could have done without that subplot but on the second watch, I appreciated it more, gave more context to Mia and why she was having such a meltdown. Yeah. So I, I definitely appreciated it more on second watch, and I already want to watch it again. I, mean, I feel like it's one of those movies that either if you didn't love it, you can grow to like it. And it's mm-hmm. just a good movie to put on. Like, it's not a complete downer. It is. It does have... A depressing subject matter but it's still it's still a possession movie at its heart it's still a fun horror movie to watch it's good i feel like it's good to watch with people because it kind of has that party atmosphere in the in the movie and also yeah. just going back to what you said uh with the character driven stuff like the character development on the second time around i watched it is really i feel like there again there needs to be a balance like yes Let's just go. Let's just talk about X real quick. That was just a fun throwback to the 70s slasher. You didn't need character mm-hmm. development. There was some that mattered, but like, again, it was just a fun balls to the wall, bloody movie. And then there's movies like this where like the character development really lends a hand to like the story. Cause Mia is the most vulnerable. So obviously, yeah. Um, which I want to ask you a big question later in the episode about a main plot in the movie. But like, okay. of course, she was the one most susceptible to like seeing stuff after, uh, you know, they released the hand and didn't blow out the candle and stuff because she just she's still grieving over her mom. She was the most vulnerable. And that's when possession strikes the hardest. Yeah, well, she did. She held the hand longer than 90 seconds. She made right? Riley hold the hand longer than 90 seconds because he was. So let's get to this question now, then. Okay. The, at least the whole time I was thinking when Mia was seeing her mom literally look like the swamp thing and uh, she literally looked like old Greg. I was expecting her to say, <laughs> Mia, love me, and start breaking out the song. <laughs> you ever drink Bailey's from a shoe? <laughs> I mean, they kind of got the accent. <laughs> so I was, I was waiting for her, talking about Guinness. What's the closest you could get to a Guinness without getting wet or something? Getting your eyes wet. Hey. <laughs> yeah. But um did you think that it was actually her mom reaching out to her or a demon in the spirit world disguised as her mom playing with her mind? I think it was the latter. I think the Okay. Yeah, I I think her mom did kill herself. And this demon whatever you want to call it, was aware of this 
and they knew that as the the way to get to her like that's the way they could trick her absolutely and uh when you mentioned earlier so mia does the she holds the hand first she goes longer than 90 seconds so at that point she's already possessed by this thing mm. so i think that's why she kept pressuring riley to do it oh. because when she gets possessed she points to Riley in a very creepy way and is like, they like you. So all the demons were saying, we want him. Yeah. Yeah. That's so was perfectly executed, by the way. Oh, yeah. I think that might be the best scene in the movie. The first time when Mia gets possessed and the door is opening up and stuff like that. And she's just, they have that evil dead moment where she's like, uh-huh. run, run, run. Dead by dawn, dead by dawn. I was like, yeah, all right, all right, I'm with this. Uh huh. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I th- I didn't think of it from that perspective that she was possessed already, but that totally makes sense. Because later, when um, when Riley is scared of the thunder or rain, and uh, or the possession, he light g- possession. Yeah, he he goes uh, goes out to the living room where Mia is sleeping, and there's that quick shot. After Riley goes to sleep and she puts his phone down, you see just blink and you miss it. You see a creepy looking hand touch the side of his face. So she's already the wheels are already in motion for her to, um, you know, bring Riley to these demons. Do you think? OK, so I just real I just had an epiphany with the hand because uh, I did notice the hand. Obviously, they Again, blinking, you miss it, but like it's blatantly there, which is cool. And the hand kind of looks like it's kind of all like blackened and charred. And when you look at the uh, look at her mother in a bunch of the other scenes, she also has the same hand. So maybe what we're seeing is a manifestation of like Mia's own turmoil, maybe. Like we, mm-hmm. she sees it as her, as her mother, but she can't reconcile that that's herself. So like she is thinking, does that make sense? She is yeah. like, we see it as her mother and she also thinks that it's her mother saying these things, but it's actually her. It's actually her being possessed. And she thinks her mom is a spirit telling her to do all these things. Yeah. Like she's projecting her dead mother. It, yeah, exactly. Um, because maybe deep down she's suspicious of her dad. So, and in the end, the demon tricks her to kill her dad. Maybe deep down she always wanted to kill her dad. Maybe she wished it was him instead of her. Yeah, she feels like that she loved her mother so much huh. and she was guilty. I mean, this is all like, God, see, I think this is when you know a movie is good, when you can have, when you can interpret it in many different ways and there's not really a clear cut answer. Well, sure as shit insidious. The red door didn't have us talk <laughs> doing film analysis. There's nothing to talk about. Exactly. <laughs> all, all, they, um, all they care there. They were cashing all those checks over the weekend. I'm happy for insidious that it made money, but Holy shit. Uh, yeah. The script was written with a diarrhea pen. <laughs> uh, but yeah, okay. You're, you're so totally right though. I'm not and I mean that's just what I'm interpreting. You're right about like the movie being like like a like it's a thoughtful movie. Like they put detail right. into this. There's layers. You could talk about something uh you know in theory whether you don't know if it's right or wrong. Like that's the whole 
that's why I love talking about movies because you have a different perspective. I have a different perspective and we could talk about it and debate it. And there could be a clear answer or there could not be, but it's starting a conversation. I feel like all well movies in general, but all art has something to say to some degree. Yeah. And that's why I haven't really watched any, I haven't listened or watched on YouTube of any other people's breakdowns of it just yet. I mean, there's some podcasts that we listen to that I'm going to check out after we do our episode, just because I don't want to be subconsciously influenced or something. I did watch some kind of behind the scenes type of stuff, like interviews with the directors and cast, but they don't really quite get into all that stuff. So what were some of your favorite moments throughout the movie? Ooh, um, like I said, I did love that initial possession scene uh, when Mia first like discovers that it's actually real and then she gets really possessed and just going back to the uh like the way they were talking about the hand and doing the possession is almost like a drug addiction they all wanted to turn they were like it's the best it was a really good feeling like when it was kind of disturbing when mia said like you know it felt incredible and there was like this euphoric feeling and i was just in the passenger seat mm-hmm. talk of, i never heard at least in any possession movie have it being described as that because it's always so like visceral and they're like, you feel like they're being tortured down there. And she just mm-hmm. was like pretty much like 11 from stranger things, just in the salt bath, just kind of <laughs> levitating and floating and feeling really good while this demon takes over her body. Uh, so that was kind of new and fresh. I did that scene when she's leaning over and she's like, run, run, run. I thought uh-huh. that was executed perfectly. Um, I did finally, and I, this is where I want the film to go more into the spirit world. This is where I think it was lacking and I get what they were trying to do with the character stuff. But like when she goes at the end of the movie, when she goes towards, uh, towards Riley in the hospital room and the demon reveals itself and it, and they're like, found me with that like creepy voice. And I'm like, yeah yes let's go like it looked creepy disgusting and she was wheeling him down into the and she was laughing the whole time because they know that they got her uh yeah i think all, all the stuff um, with the spirit world like that society-esque scene when you see where riley is like just being enveloped being tortured those, yeah tortured by all those demons i was like give me give me that I want to see some constantine in hell like stuff like give that to us but again the glimpses were fine, but I just wanted, as a horror fan, I just wanted more. I, I appreciate the character stuff and love it, but I was like, yes, just give me, give me yeah. more of that. Yeah, I think um, I was fine with the amount of horror elements they had in here. Because, I mean, sometimes less is more. You don't right. need to spend two minutes in the in Riley's tortured moment. I think... Right five gruesome seconds is enough. I mean, I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with you because I was like, Oh man, just because all the horror aspects were done so well, I just want to see them. Yeah. I would love to see more of that, but I was happy with the amount that we got. At least we got it. I'm happy that we got it. Yeah. Because again, we always talk about like horror movies forgetting to have the scares and it's a horror movie. If you're going to make a horror movie, you need to have, you can have tense moments. You could have tension, but at the end of the day, there still has to be something that 
terrifies you that makes you afraid mm-hmm. to check behind like a closed door and for me i don't think the scares were that heavy but i do love the horror elements that they did put in this movie now you said there were a couple scenes that like really disturbed you which ones were those so going back to the the creepy old man in the hospital bed with his fucking mouth is what did it for me yeah that, which by the way grotesque hillbilly mouth beautiful practical effects we have to oh, shout that out absolutely. everything was yeah it kind of looked like um i'm forgetting I'm forgetting his name but the husband in, in x and pearl oh yeah uh harold was it harold you know what that sounds right he had like the, I don't the, know. the gray thinning skullet you know right yeah but really this guy crazy. looked like somebody put Harold, I don't know if that's his name, in the microwave for like two minutes. I mean, this guy, this guy looked fucking disgusting yeah. and his cackle. I I got to admit, when I got home from the theater the first night and I before I turned the lights on in my apartment, I saw that fucking face and it just. It creeped me out. Yeah, I mean, just, very gooey. It's, it's like uh, a burnt s'more when you're going camping. Yeah. But all, another so, scene that was, and you know what? This is a trope that like, I don't want to say overplayed, but we've seen it so many times that like, you know, it's happening. And for some reason, it's, it just keeps being effective. Something crawls out of the corner of the room in so many movies. And I'm like, I know it's coming. I know it's there. Didn't expect the foot fetish, but that old um, grotesque woman crawled out of the corner and I was like, oh shit. And it got me. But I was like, all right, yeah. like you've done it before. Hereditary did it. Did it though? Like that? Uh, I mean, I know Tony Collette lunges out of the corner. And then you have like great... tra- like the grandma in the corner at one point and then kind of disappears. And then Charlie's head turns into like a basketball. Yeah. Uh, maybe not entirely like that, but yeah, just, um, yeah. Demons love corners. Well, they do love a good corner. <laughs> well, hey, I mean, you gotta, they're going to Blair Witch this I... shit. I I'm fine with it. I, I that's why I'm like it's a good. I guess it, it, everything could be a trope if you really think about it. Like guy with a knife trope. Seen that a million Played times, out. but but if you do it well, uh, exactly. No, no, no. You're. T- I, I'm totally. I'm totally with you. I feel like if it's executed good, then there's no reason to not put it in. The and yeah, that particular moment was executed so well like you hear her singing at first it all first watch i was like wait what the fuck is that and then that shadow starts to move and i'm just like uh i don't like this and then it's that woman with the i don't know how she died or what her story was but she just had this creepy look about her almost like uh like that look of like longing like a like yeah, why she looked would very you sad. do this to me? Like maybe she like didn't die, like she didn't commit suicide. Someone murdered her because like she had such like heavy eyes. Yeah, she looked had this sad expression on her face, which all which she was like almost like whimpering and stuff. You know what would have been a trope if she had this giant grin on her face? Yeah, that would be the tropey way to go. Because like the demons already know that like they got you. Like mm-hmm. they're cackling. We already saw the lat like Riley like smashing his head against the porcelain. Oh, we'll wall. we'll get there. Okay. We'll get there. But uh yes, um I agree. It was kind of a different take to see like just like 
a depraved type of demon that like still has the essence of a human that makes it even more creepy. I was expecting to hear, I heard the, the Pornhub intro music when she started sucking on toes. The, I was like, Oh shit. This is a shout out to the feet lovers over here. And everybody listening knows exactly what you're talking yes, about. Yes, they That's... do. <laughs> everybody wants. You're lying if you <laughs> if you're lying. You're lying if you say you don't. You're lying through your toes. <laughs> but um, yeah, that's the but yeah the the toes sucking, super creepy. Also, can uh, I say a scene that really like it made me mad because I am not a fan of like, and I believe no one is. Uh, I don't I'm not a fan of animal abuse in this movie, but when the dog started making out with the demon, I'm like, no, no, turn that off. Disgusting. Get it away. I don't fucking like that. That made me sick. I did not like that. Um, it was gross for sure. It was disgusting. But... I'm like, don't they degrade the fucking dog like that? <laughs> she's so adorable. Get her out of th- I know oh. she's not really possessed, but I was like, get, like, get the fuck out of here. Oh, how far the dog from little Nikki has fallen. <laughs> Look at him now. No, it changed genders, too. It had a pink bandana, and I believe it was a gal's name. Oh, all right. I didn't know it was a <laughs> transition, but good for the dog if that's what it really wanted. Wow, we're covering um, a lot of stuff in this episode. <laughs> you were on one tonight. <laughs> I didn't even have dinner yet. <laughs> all right, other moments. Um, I guess we can talk about when Riley first gets possessed. Yeah. Riley grabs a hand and the demon takes the form of Mia's mother and just the acting performance here by Joe bird. Phenomenal. I forgot that I was watching him do this, you know, speak in the voice of Mia's mother. I mean, it was just such a powerful scene and I don't know if you have, um, I mean, my dad died like eight years ago and seeing shit like this, I can't help but be affected by it because I'm like, fuck, I can't imagine if I was in that similar position. Yeah. What what would you do? Yeah. You know, deep down that it's not real, but it's like another chance to like talk. Or it's even more Mm -hmm. terrifying when you think about it as a demon mimicking your father or mother to get closer to well, obviously she wasn't thinking terrifying. about that <laughs> yeah but you just she just got and that's why um what made it so kind of haunting because she was so she's still grieving so hard from her mom uh-huh. you can tell that she just wants like that one chance to just like ask her all these questions because it happened so suddenly and and that performance i i will say is was really really good because like and he's such a young actor. So like to have that type of emotion on your face and like pretend to be, he was a kid that was possessed by a demon acting as like someone's mother. That's like a whole triple yeah. layer of like, Holy shit. Uh, right. like Academy award winning, like acting stuff just in that like little scene. And he nailed it perfectly. Like the way his face was. And like, he just really embodied that, mother starts slamming his head into the desk again the sound design fuck i i just you could feel every slam yeah i mean it got to a point where i was like 
by God, stop the damn match. <laughs> like, <laughs> turned into bring Jim bell, Ross. Bring the bell, gang. And that one shot, one or two seconds, where he's his head is back, and you see in gruesome practical effect detail that his head is already split yeah. open. And that final slam, oh, fuck. The sound design, I was like... Yeah. Uh, it just... A lot of cracking, uh, a lot of mushiness, and also I just love how, like, like you could tell just from those small scenes and the more we talk about it the more i like this movie the more and i and i hey, i don't know we're trying let's, to let's keep talking because I, I i do like it like there's plenty of things that i like about this movie and i just love how like you could tell the demons were just depraved and that's what i wanted to see more of like they gave you glimpses because like as soon as he gets possessed and like he's you know throwing himself into the corner or whatever uh, but before he's still at the table he starts like grabbing for his eyeball and he's taking it out of his socket like holy shit like how did like this demon just possessed a human and he's just like fuck this kid just like oh, ripping yeah. him apart and just destroying his whole entire being like wow i forgot about that you even want to get to part. know him first yeah he just literally <laughs> tried to take it out i was like oh this is gnarly and there were so many parts in this movie and that was one of them where i went like holy shit it was just uh they really went for it with the gore and not excessive gore but when it happened it was yeah, a lot. felt it. Yeah. Yeah. Very visceral. Very brutal. When he's laying in the hospital and his face is just all fucked up. I mean, I felt real sympathy for this kid. Like, I just felt terrible for him. Yeah. I did feel like in the pit of my stomach, I was like, wow, that his face was all purple and bloated. And he was, and he, it was so funny to go from, you know, I love how they force, they kind of foreshadow this stuff when he was hanging out with his friend James and he offered him a cigarette and he was like, kind of kind of peer pressuring Riley into smoking and he didn't do it. But somehow it's almost like he felt peer pressured to do the possession thing, which yeah. was kind of seemed like out of character, but I want to know, like, like, what do you think triggered him into being like, I want to try this. Like, what do I have to lose? Like, is it because he just wants to be, cool like because he's like still young and impressionable because he wasn't I think so with the cigarette stuff he didn't take a drag or anything he kind of stood his ground well i mean yeah he's um i don't know what age he's supposed to be i'm guessing like 13 or something and he's hanging out with the 16 17 year olds i'm sure you can remember a time where you just want to impress the cool kids and yeah I'll, i want to do it yeah so yeah yeah, I buy the motivations of each character, like why they want to do this. And before Mia does it, there's a very quick shot. You see there's this whole subplot of she used to date. Um, Char Daniel. Uh, Jade. Yes. Yeah, her, her friend. She used to date Jade's boyfriend. And uh, she looks over at him and she sees her. She sees Jade touch Daniel's hand. And that's the second she's like, I'll do it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Cause he's and also thinking he, like, what do I have to lose? Yeah. And when you think about it, the discomfort, she, <laughs> that touch of the hand caused her discomfort. Oh. So she sought comfort mm. in the hand. Interesting. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Getting a little handsy in this conversation. I like it. I mean, the directors did say that hands are a big motif through this movie. Uh, especially when you put it that way, uh, you just explain it so beautifully, Philip. 
Um, and when uh, Mia was in that kind of... <laughs> oh, well, thank you, Douglas. <laughs> oh, thank you. Tis- I'll take a sip of tea. Take a spot of tea, that vanilla bourbon. Uh, when she no, was... Uh, a ginger tea. Ah, ginger tea. Ginger is good for the <laughs> immune system. Love it. Uh, we're being really healthy. I got my... Shout out to ginger. Vegan cookies right here. <laughs> to fuel me up before dinner. But no, when they uh, go through that... Um, when Mia kind of has that vision or that flashback... Uh, before she kind of wakes up and she's realizing she's sucking on Daniel's toes, actually, where they're kind of in the room and they're kind of like comparing hand size and stuff oh, like that. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, now that you do mention it, if you go back and watch it, there is a lot of hand stuff. And I guess when you think about it, aren't your hands, when you think about some of the worst decisions of your life, you use your hands to take the drug or fucking pick up the knife or gun or something. I don't know. Your hands are. Yeah. It's kind of, it's kind of like the ultimate decision maker because how can you do anything? You need your hands. You, your mind could be made up, but if you, if you're yeah, if your like mind, your if hands your already in the motion of doing something and your mind kind of decides to go the other direction, if you're already doing it, it's kind of hard to come back from. Yeah. And speaking of hands, were you okay with the, the backstory of the hand. I yes, and this is what I will say about why I didn't like this movie at first, and I still kind of feel that way to a point. But I felt like, and I love that explanation of it. You know, the kind of the back and forth of like who it belonged to. It belonged to a medium, or it belonged mm-hmm. to a satanist. Like I'm like, yes, this feels like Pumpkinhead. Like, give me more speculation <laughs> of where this came from. Like maybe like let's and I maybe it would have been corny to do like a flashback or like absolutely right? like it would have been or funny. speaking of tropes um shout out to insidious red door even worse <laughs> going to the library to research oh my god <laughs> he was a an evil sorcerer and he died here and the only way to break the curse is to dig up his grave and throw the hand and they look no, up records on the computer that. that they somehow have access to like all exactly. right you're not part of the fbi like the bureau like get the fuck out of here um but no, um, what were you just talking about? Yeah, I uh, one thing, the one problem that I have with this movie is that it gains momentum and then it loses it. It gains it and then it loses momentum again. It doesn't like it gives you glimpses of those horrifying moments, but I'm like, all right, let's stay here for just like a little longer, just a little bit. Because mm-hmm. and and I I I don't want to say they spend too much on the the uh, family trauma and the character driven stuff, because that stuff is really great. Like it's rich and it's really good. But as a horror fan, I just wanted to stay in those moments just a little, a little, my microphone almost fell just a little longer <laughs> because when the momentum picked up, it was, it was great. It felt good. It was adrenaline filled. And then they just lost it like really quick. And I'm like, Oh wow. I thought we were going somewhere. And then uh, they chose to go in another direction. Did you like the explanation of the the hand? The hand, yeah, I did because like I wish there was more talk of that. Um, I was fine with it because the audience knows as much as these characters know. It's just uh oh, I don't know. I, I got it from some guy at a party. He said he says that it's a the hand of a medium, and it's been embalmed, and that's really all you need there's still mystery surrounding it. And I guess to compare it to it follows 
you also only know as much as one of the characters when he's explaining to um to Jay when she's in the wheelchair you know he he just explains how the rules of the thing yeah. so we only know as much as he knows i i wish they i wish they like did i wish they really went into trying to find out like more about the hand i mean but how would they I don't know. well they they kind of <laughs> do they they find the at the beginning of the movie when that guy is breaks down the door and he goes to get his brother and his brother kills himself which great opening by the way uh fun fact that was the last thing they shot oh interesting for this movie and the the ending was the first thing they shot and the intro was the last thing they shot oh, that's kind of a funny bookend yeah because i mean the um, intro was probably very easy to shoot yeah it was a very very good camera work with that like walk through the party and then walk back and then you just hear the swing of the knife yeah and the director said that they had to do that like eight different times. So that actor broke down like eight actual doors and it's pretty beat up after doing it. Oh, incredible. Um, but they use real stuff. And that, that intro really set, I really set up the whole movie really well. I thought, cause that's like, I feel like hear me out on this. Wait, but real quick though. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. So, so they do try to track down that guy because when they're at the party, he says that he got it from him. So that's where he got the hand. So they go to the one resource that they know is this guy, and he pretty much tells them to fuck off, and that's kind of the end of it. So Yeah, he's still grieving his uh, his brother and stuff like that. Yeah, so there's really nowhere to go after that. So they do try to seek out some answers. But there has to be some more. Like, I just want to know the story about the hand. I'm so interested in where this came from. Here was an interesting tidbit. Haley, um when he's at the party mentions that, Oh yeah. Rumor is that there's another hand out there. Yes. Because of course there's gotta be another hand. People have two hands. So, <laughs> most people do. So one one folks, was that a hint of a sequel? Who does? So on that, I was just reading that, uh, they already shot a prequel from, uh, the perspective of Duckett. Duckett. The first, the first one, that we see in the opening sequence who stabbed him in the, stabbed himself. In the oh eye. yeah. But it's shot through, uh, social media and like TikTok. So like we would be watching it through like a screen essentially from what it seems like they're saying. And I don't know if I'm on board with that, but I, I am a fan. I do. I am interested in like a prequel and they said they are, they have been writing a sequel. Yeah, I did see that. So they seem very much open to the idea of it. And I mean, hey, if they can do something similar that's just as good, then sure. If they have any sensibilities like Sam Raimi does, because the first Evil Dead was very serious, you know, and it was, you know, ballsy and unique. And I guess I kind of put it in the same vein as Talk to Me because it is a possession film. If they do a Talk to Me sequel, I want balls out. I want it to be crazy. I want it to be the <laughs> complete opposite of the original. Give us some camp. Give us some blood. Just go nuts because they already establish the characters in this movie. They establish the world. Who knows if they're going to do, you know, the same characters. It would be cool if we 
got that because you know Haley was an awesome character i did like her the second time around i told you i hated all the characters the first time i saw them uh but that's how so real quick on Haley. um also as kind of the i guess if there's a bully of the group it would be him but Haley is played by zoe tarakas i don't know say his last (laughs) name but is a female to male transgender like had top surgery and everything they did fucking great yeah and i think it's worth noting that you know this is good trans representation because Haley is just a normal guy just exists you could even say he's the cool guy he's sitting on the fucking hood of the car smoking cigarettes in the parking lot and he's like all right jog on that's the dude like everyone wants to hang out with and like emulate you know yeah exactly and it it wasn't portrayed as like oh it's the quiet weird person or you know they they had confidence like you would tell that they had like a swagger and confidence to them that they were just like yeah i'm me and this is me and there was no weird i there was no weird uh, like again, transgender subplot of being like, oh, isn't that strange? Like, yeah, the fact that he's trans is just—it's incidental to the story. Exactly. It's like, yeah, big fucking deal, which is like the way it should be. Yeah, big deal for the actor. I'm so glad that they got fucking work because they absolutely yeah. killed it. And yeah, I hated him. I'm like, this person's an asshole, and that was the intent. I, you know, they were they were kind of uh, like you said, bullies to the people that we were rooting for, like Jade and Riley and Mia. Um, yeah, in a way, but... Like, Here's the hand. See you later. And that's why I feel <laughs> like they're the true antagonist of this movie because they just kind of ruin people's lives. Yeah, but they do... Um, having any repercussions. So there is character development there. Like when Mia first holds the hand and goes too long, Haley comes over to her and is like, oh, shit, are you okay? But like when Mia first got to the party, he was like, oh, why'd you invite her? She's fucking weird, you know? So sort of bully aspects, but it's not just, it's not like when Mia went too long with the hand, he wasn't like, oh, that's what you get. It's what you get, you fucking cat or whatever. <laughs> so there is. Make out with some kangaroos. Yeah. And I can't do Australian. At the, uh, I think it was like the train station. Yeah. He suggests to the rest of them, like, just burn the thing. Oh yeah, like I'll give it back to you, and he said, "Just burn the thing." Yeah, but also didn't have a hand in helping them anyway. Yeah, <laughs> they didn't help Duckett and his brother. They didn't help me and Jade and Riley. They were just like, "See ya." Wait, who is Duckett? The dude who stabbed himself in the eye when in the oh okay okay I, I missed his name Duckett. And out of the window, someone's like, "Who the fuck is Duckett?" Okay. I, I miss that. It's a weird name. I thought they were saying Dougie. I'm like, me? My name? Oh, shit. <laughs> but no, Australian uh, Australian Dougie, I guess, is Duckett. Hey, let's, um. while we're kind of talking about the cast, let's go through the cast. So Mia, played by Sophie Wilde. Wilde, standout performance from her. Fucking excellent. Like, look out for her. I, I could see her winning an Oscar. Yeah, she's gonna be I thought out. she was brilliant. Yeah, I'm, I agree with you. Um, The mom. Sue, played by Miranda Otto. Phenomenal. Was she excellent range? Yes. She was hilarious. <laughs> I mean, a lot of her lines got the biggest laughs in the theater. Yeah, yeah, totally. And she played like the heartbreak 
very well. The angry fucking mom when Mia first shows up, I got scared. Yeah. You ever been like confronted by a friend's mom? You immediately feel you? your like everything sink into your asshole, your stomach intestines. <laughs> but like you could like the complexity in her performance and for such like a small supporting role, like the way she um, like scolded Mia when she first came to the hospital and then really turned around when like the anger really wore off. You could tell that she had that like really like motherly energy to her where she was like saying that she was sorry and apologizing. Of course it wasn't her. She wouldn't do anything to hurt Riley and your family and stuff like that. But she, she like when she, you could tell that she was going to her son. You could tell that she was fucking going through it and hated everybody in that moment. And she mm-hmm. said she didn't mean it. So that was kind of, uh, yeah. Like even her own daughter, when she's smoking in the car and, um, Jade tries to touch her hand. She swats it away, yeah. but she immediately starts crying because she just did that to her daughter. So she's like, there's a lot of emotions obviously. running through her mind and you could totally mm-hmm. sympathize with her. Um, love the dog. Dog was a great. <laughs> and we have Jade's boyfriend, Daniel played by Otis. Donji. I'm not even going to try to say his last names. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're, they're different. Um, but great performance there. So yeah, played a really good play. They all played really good supporting roles. They all bounced off each other pretty great. Yeah. And they all felt grounded and like real people. I mean, I haven't obviously I'm, I'm 35. So I don't know what 16, 17 year olds talk like in this current day and age. I sound like fucking boomer right now, but um, I mean, they felt real. And not over the top or forced. They, I, I felt like natural connections between all of them. Well, it wasn't like the characters weren't so broad. They were all so specific. And that's where I feel like a lot of movies fail. Like when you have characters who are just broad and they're just like, they, it's just like a, any type, like kind of like a, like anywhere USA, like it could just be anybody. There's nothing really specific to them. There's no nuance. And every character had like their own specific personalities and they were all standouts. So that's kind of what made the chemistry between the cast so great. And I feel like a lot of people connected to them because it wasn't just so like, oh, seen this before. Like this could just be anybody. Mm hmm. So, yeah, excellent casting all around. Jade Um, was all the girl who played Jade was also really good. Yeah. Uh, there, I bought their. In, I feel like you could buy all of their relationships. Every character in this movie, Jade and Mia, you could tell they've been friends for a long time. Uh, you could tell that Mia looks after Riley. She's been part of the family. She's been around them. Uh, the mother and Mia, their relationship is really good. Um, even Haley and the other guy. Uh, you almost said Mama Mia. You're like the mother oh, Mia. Mother Mia. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. I wish I would have said Mamma Mia. Where's Meryl? Mamma Mia. <laughs> that would have been Meryl Deep. <laughs> nope. Hey, okay. <laughs> then if I, I bombed anyway, so it was the hill was Meryl Steep. <laughs> nope. Okay. You son of a bitch. Did you drive right. a Meryl Jeep? <laughs> Whenever you die, I hope you donate your brain to science that, so they can that, study it. <laughs> well, see, my brain, I want a Meryl Keep. <laughs> Oh my god. Stop. <laughs> stop me. Please stop. They're <laughs> just gonna slice your brain stop open. Me, I'm gonna Al- weep. Alfredo sauce is just gonna pour out. 
Uh, nope, steep doesn't steep doesn't rhyme with anything food related that I can think of off the top of my head. So you're safe. Okay, so <laughs> okie dokie, uh, okie dokie. <laughs> so any other standout moments from? Oh, when Riley is when Jade is bathing Riley, and the mom steps out, then Riley bites her hand. He falls to the floor starts slamming his head into the tiles and just just this deep cackle laughing while he's doing it just fucking disturbing yeah it is and like like you said before where you can like feel the impact of these of these horrific moments i feel like everyone has accidentally banged their head against some porcelain tile or like with a bat i felt that hit yeah. When he was slamming his head to the back, I was like, ah, ah, like that. Yeah, you could hurt. you could see the little shards of porcelain flaking off on his forehead. And then he started licking the blood. Licking the fucking yeah. blood. Like, mm, okay, like this demon wants life. It wants to live. Yeah. I think. I mean, that's the metaphor I got. So this wasn't my idea. Um Epic Film Guys proposed this idea, but Shout out to Justin. Shout out to Justin. Um, I just did their podcast for an H2O retrospective episode that should be coming out soon. A lot of fun. Definitely happy to happy to be up there again. (laughs) But he proposed the idea of letting the the Raka Raka brothers, not the Filippo brothers, direct the Nightmare on Elm Street sequel or reboot. And I think they would be perfect for it. Because think about the dream sequences in this. Like how they transition so well into dream and nightmare demon type of shit. The style that they bring. Yeah, and I love their um, their filmmaking sensibilities when it comes to like death. Like the way that, that one flashback, was, and the flashback scenes are great. And I think after seeing it a second time, you're so right. I feel like they could really knock it out of the park with Nightmare on Elm Street. The one flashback scene where like Daniel and Mia are like, you know, they kiss and their hands are going up and then like uh, her dad's bang on the door. Like it's so like dark, yeah. but glossy and like it, it, they capture what a dream is actually like. Yeah. So well, and the way the cameras are like, it's just like things are out of focus. And obviously dream dream sequences have been put, put, uh, depicted that way. But like the way it was done, I feel like they could they can nail it with the right material and uh hell if they're friends with jordan peele make him a producer we need we need some jordan peele inject team up with them blood. just all, all three of them direct a movie Fine, let's do it i'm so fucking down but who would you i mean the age-old question i feel like we asked this question on the on the show a bunch of times who are we getting to be robert england who did we who did we choose last time walton goggins walton goggins that's I, that's my pick I'm with that. I mean I'm with that. Or Richard Brake, but he's if they're gonna do a proper reboot and have like, you know, three or four more movies, he's getting up there in age as well. But yeah. Richard Brake is way past his due for a starring horror role. I don't I don't care if it's Freddy Krueger or somebody give him something because he's so fucking his, good. his talent cannot be wasted in supporting roles anymore. Exactly. He's too unique as an actor and he always picks like great roles but walton goggins is 
spot on. I do. I feel like he would kill it. Yeah, because he can do menacing and dark really well, but obviously comedic when he needs to be. But you know what? We'll save that for. You know what? There's a little bit of news about the Nightmare on Elm Street series, so maybe we should do a horror news episode soon. Is there? I don't even know about this. <laughs> okay, I don't. I don't want to tell you because it might. You're gonna apparently Blumhouse has won the bid. So yeah, I didn't want to bring it up because Doug is shaking his head, rubbing his forehead. <laughs> Could we just stop giving them the keys to major franchises? Yes, they make money, but holy shit, they need to listen to the fans at some point. Stop. All right, we'll, I know. I'm sorry. I'll, I'll get up. Let's. I'll, let's. This is why I was like, ah, maybe I, I shouldn't tell you. Um, Nightmare we'll save it for a. That's what it's called. We'll save it for a horror movie episode. A uh, horror news episode. Okay, so back to talk to me. Um, any other standout moments from this? Oh, let's talk about the ending. Yes. What did you think? Okay. This was a question I asked you the other day. So Mia wheels out Riley to the side of the freeway. She sees that it's the demon man. She wants demon man. Demon man. Um, I am demon man. I've possessed your body. Um, Fighter of the angel man. (laughs) Champion of hell. All right. Okay, let's stop. So Mia wheels out Riley to the side of the freeway and cut to this couple driving down the road. You hear, well, you don't really see what happens, but they swerve off the road. Mia is laying in the streets. So Mia is now dead. That's what I got. But I asked you, did Jade push her or did she jump? Oh, I don't think Jade pushed her because just the way, and also I noticed this the second time around, which is a good indication of her like death. Uh, if you didn't feel, if you thought she was going to be okay, maybe for a second, uh, when she gets up in the middle of the road and she's all beat up and scratched and bruised, uh, you could see people running over to her, but they veer off screen to the left. So they're actually going to her body and what we're seeing oh. is her spirit. Oh shit! And I was like, "Oh, see, I didn't catch that." I like I I I noticed it, and I was like, "Oh, they didn't run to her, the body mm-hmm. that we're looking at. They ran to her body on the ground, uh, because we're seeing like her spirit, and that kind of leads us into her spirit going into the spirit world." But I don't think Jade pushed her. I think I think she finally succumbed to her mother, who was, as we're saying, being disguised by the demon. Saying like this is the only way, right? That you need to make things right. Uh, the mother tried to convince her to kill Riley, but I think she maybe took it, took the matter in her own hands, and was like, "Fuck it, I don't want to live anymore. Like, I can't take." It. Well, the kid at the beginning of the movie duck it. Yes. Yeah. Good. Okay. So somebody mentions at some point, like, "Oh yeah, um, apparently." If you fuck with the hand too long, you turn schizo and you kill yourself. So that's what happened to him. So I'm guessing same thing happened to Mia. Mm. So she killed herself. But when her spirit goes into the hospital, I love the way they do this. Like you see Riley and his mom in the hospital bed. And obviously a passage of time has happened because his face looks normal and they're packing up to leave. And 
She walks after her dad, but he doesn't respond to her. And it, it obviously I've never died. I'm not trapped in limbo in the spirit world, but I would imagine it's a lot like this. You're just running around trying to get people's attention, but nobody's talking to you. Yeah. And they did a really solid callback when she looked in a mirror and she didn't have a reflection. Yeah. So she was kind of mistaking it as a dream. And I guess that kind of is like a metaphor for death. Like it could feel like a dream, but you don't know mm-hmm. you're in it. You don't know where you are. It's kind of like the, they really nailed the chaotic nature of her, like running around, like trying to figure out what's going on. Her spirit is lost and in limbo. And I did like the other thing that they did. Well, two things, one thing where she walked past one of the rooms and the old guy who kind of looked like the demon, except just in real life was kind of yeah. sitting up on the hospital bed. I really didn't know who that was, if that was any significance, but it looked like the demon just not all burnt and charred up. Yeah, that's true. I did notice that on the second watch. I was like, is that the same guy? Right. That she was like, cause she was looking at someone else that was like on life support. Um, before like in reality like the old white guy shit i don't know again up to interpretation yeah. requires multiple watches and then the kangaroo uh callback too what was the callback there well when she was in the room trying to help riley or like deciding on what to do she saw the kangaroo in the reflection because she didn't kill the kangaroo in the road to put it out of its misery right and then they, you know, had the kangaroo at the end in the reflection and it kind of walks away. Um, That's right. God damn. Did you see this movie twice? I thought you did. I No, I'm just saying. You're getting a like, handjob in the theater and wouldn't pay attention? No, I saw it twice. And yeah, I'm just, sorry, like little bits and because pe- a lot of these shots are just two seconds, like blinking, you miss and it type moments. Saying. Yeah. Extended. But that's good. Um. But yeah, that whole thing with the kangaroo was really cool. Like, you know, she needed to, um, you know, kill a certain form of herself so that she can be free or live or something. Maybe that's kind of how I interpreted it. Yeah. And of course, the rest of the ending, she sees a hand in the dark. She reaches to grab it. It's lit by a candle. And we're now in this... We don't know where it's in a party appears to be a party like environment in another country. And I, dude, I thought the ending was perfect. Like she is now the spirit on the other side. Yeah. And a good spirit, like not like a demonic possessed spirit. Uh, So that's kind of, that was kind of a cool tie in. Um, What was I going to say? I did think when that human hand reached out, and it wound up being like, you know, the people at the party. I thought it was going to be like the, um, that person's hand, you know, like the real person who had the hand chopped off or something. Ah, uh. I was like, Oh, this is kind of cool. Is it like a wizard or something? Uh, but <laughs> no, it was just, uh, yeah. The people at the party, which is cool. Yeah. Excellent ending. Any other key moments we're missing? Um, I think we nailed a lot of them. We really like went pretty deep with the, uh, like how layered this movie was. Yeah. Um, I don't think we, I don't think we missed anything. So also notice that like this movie, it's, um, 
Okay, so you, I saw Skinamarink and didn't really do a whole lot for me. I mean, I, I applaud it for what it was. I was rooting for it, but it just didn't do anything for me. I wish the director continued success. I'll check out what he does next. You, That's however... nice thing to say when you really... Seriously. Do, I don't care what you do. No, no, I, I'm serious. I'll I'll check out what he does next just because it was an interesting project, but it didn't do anything for me. Um, but you, however, that movie got to now, that movie scared the shit out of me. I had to turn it off. Because it was the anticipation. Yeah, of waiting for something to happen and I didn't know when it was going to happen. And I'm a big uh, dreamer. So it really, ca- I think they captured, I forgot the director's name, but uh, he captured the dream, like the essence of a dream mm-hmm. of that, like void of nothingness pretty well. And I was like, it just felt, it just brought me back to a time where I was like, j- it just put fear in me for some reason. There was nothing on the screen. I was like, what the, what's going to happen? What is happening right now? Yeah, but didn't you say like, you know, because you deal with like OCD and stuff. So like you're not good with the anticipation of things or you explain it like. Well, my OCD deals with like uh, like counting and like number combinations. Uh-huh. So I wasn't necessarily like OCD about like the anticipation of things. I like it. Oh. I like being scared like that. But I was just like, I can't handle this right now. I couldn't handle it. My internal system was just going haywire because I was alone. You told me to watch it. You said, turn the lights off. Yeah. Watch it at night. Don't watch it during the fucking daytime and the sunlight. Uh, and then, you know, it'll be the, be the same experience that you had. Uh, so I did that and it scared the fuck out of me. Uh, and I had to turn it off like 35 minutes into it because I couldn't handle it. Yes, I guess the point I'm getting at is that movie was effective for you because you applied your own fears and everything to it. So, and in the words of Wes Craven, horror films don't create fear, they release it. So it's really about what's inside you. Yeah, pretty much. That's how you relate to films. You relate it to your own experiences. That's why I assume that this movie hit more for you than it did me. Of the whole parental aspect yeah i guess it's up to the viewer like the hand is just a metaphor really you're inviting something into your life you think it's going to be fun other people are doing it but if you hold on too long you open a door that you can't shut and that could be in the form of an abusive relationship or drugs i mean a lot of drug metaphor I, I yeah feel like. yeah i feel like they went heavy on the drug uh like the addiction metaphor but you could apply addiction to a lot of things other than drugs um you could be addicted to food some people are addicted to sure. food some people are addicted to drugs some people are addicted to sadness some people want you to feel guilty for them and will perpetually portray themselves as sad because they love the attention. People are addicted to attention. Uh, mm. I would say addiction in general is a main, one of the main themes in this movie, or at least for Mia, at least from Mia's standpoint. I've talked about this a little bit with you. And I was like, I was like, I've never talked about this on the podcast before. 
And, you know, over a hundred episodes in, I was like, I feel like I have to talk about it because like this movie tapped into something in me that like, okay. So in like, I would say from age like 19 to 23, 20, 23, 24. I mean, I was really bad off on drugs and shit like opiates or anything really never did like heroin or crack or anything, but um, definitely been through some really dark shit. Like I look back and I'm like, Oh, I should, uh, I should be fucking dead <laughs> because I was hooked on this drug called Suboxone, which is what they give heroin addicts to, uh, yes. Yeah, uh, sorta. It's kind of like trading heroin for a, a, a pharmaceutical grade heroin that has a half-life twice as long as heroin. Wow. Meaning if heroin takes two weeks to get out of your system, Suboxone takes four weeks. Oh, I thought it was so, like withdrawals or something. Like if you're going. Yeah, it is. But I was using it to get. Looking back on it, I kind of treated it like an antidepressant. Like, oh, I, I take this every day. This makes me feel good. And it helps me cope with past traumas, some involving suicide. So that was a double because there's a lot of that in this movie. Yeah. So I was like, fuck this. <laughs> this movie is like tapping into some shit in me that is like really making me uneasy. But long story short. Um, and you've been so far uh, removed from that life, yeah, that like it probably terrified you to even think about how uh, your behavior was back in the day and how you you know handled your emotions because that shit is you know that is rough. Yeah, and like I never, I never like robbed people or stole people to fuel my addiction. I would work some shitty job and. Most of my paycheck went to some shitty drug dealer that doesn't care if I live or die. So I only harmed myself. I didn't harm other people. Um, not, I guess that doesn't really matter, but it does matter. Yeah. Cause you did turn, yeah. your, you did turn it around and you were completely out of that life out of, out of the woods. Yeah. Well, I guess you're never really out of the woods. I mean, that part of me is still there. Uh, you definitely, uh, from what I, from I mean, we talk all the time, but suppress that part of you more so. Yeah, I mean, look, as of today, I mean, I haven't done any of that shit in like nine, ten years or something. Hey, 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 hey. Um, but it nearly cost me my fucking life. I mean, I withdrew cold turkey from Suboxone. It was a about a three week process and I can only describe it as pure fucking hell. Like imagine the worst flu you've ever had times five. <laughs> and I probably could add a seizure or something. And um, I can't, I can't, I honestly can't even imagine what it's like. It was even doing it or not doing it, but it seems like cold Turkey is the way to go to just like really have the, and it's, hard to have like all of that willpower and well and some people don't even get that wake up call like you did like you said it nearly like cost your life some people are running away from something that they don't give a shit 
that they don't want to mm-hmm. clean up their act and just be sober and healthy like that. Or they like really, thankfully you got the wake up call and was like, all right, I need to, <laughs> I need to turn this around. But yeah, like that, that part is always there. I mean, I have no desire. I, when I talk about it, it literally feels like I'm talking about another person. I'm like, yeah, that was me, but it's like I was fucking possessed. I held the hand too long and I opened the door and I couldn't fucking shut it. And there was something in me that was trying to kill me like this fucking demon. Yeah. And it wasn't even, uh, it wasn't even on your side, even though you thought it was. Yeah. Like the demons in this movie, they manipulate you to think that you're doing the right thing or I don't know. Again, this movie just had me all kinds. Yeah. It had me all kinds of fucked up. (laughs) That's why. Yeah. That's why when I, after I saw it, I'm like, Oh yeah, Phil definitely got something out of this more than I did, at least from that aspect of it. Um, Have you ever, because we both deal with uh, more so in the past for me, like really bad with depression and stuff. Um but I've always had this weird thought that like if depression was an entity or a demon that they're kind of laughing at you because it's like, yeah. oh, look at this fucking idiot fell for it again. Look at him looking. Look at him driving somewhere to get drugs. This fucking idiot. Yeah. Putting like a face it, to it, you know? Yeah. And it's like the face of that old man in the hospital bed cackling at yeah. you saying like he's ours like we got him yeah like this, i like, like him too much we're not gonna let him go yeah because you're just in it and when you're in it you're you'll do anything they say i mean i used to i've had ocd ever since i was nine years old so i used to when i was younger i mean my imagination is still very active but for some reason i don't know why when I was younger, I was like, oh, there's like someone, this is going to sound fucking crazy. Uh, I was like, oh, there's someone in my brain. I pictured like a little worm with a suitcase <sighs> called Irk that would tell me to do <laughs> these like things like these, like, oh, touch that doorknob four times. Like you can't go out of the living room until you touch this doorknob four times. You have to walk up the stairs twice. Why are you doing it once? Why do it once when you can do it twice? Uh-huh. Just weird stuff like that. And I was like, oh yeah, there's a little worm with a suitcase in my brain with like a hat that says this stuff. <laughs> That's how I always personified my OCD. I don't know why. I haven't yeah. done that since I was 10 or like hell, <laughs> but <laughs> I remember me and my sister talking about it once and she was like, Who the fuck is Irk? I'm like, it, it, it does irk me. That does make sense. OCD does pain me. <laughs> It was annoying. <laughs> but, uh, oh, shit. Yeah, I don't, know, I don't know why. That's how I always thought about it. Huh. I mean, it's something that you still deal with. Yeah, and luckily, I have a, psychi- a psychiatrist appointment. We're filming this on the 4th. I have my first psychiatrist appointment on the 15th. That's Ready great, man. Square this away. <laughs> I told you about that yesterday, but I will mention it on here. Yeah, and in a weird turn of events, I was like, oh, shit, the 15th. That's when I move into my new place. That you just got, you just found that out today. I mean, you told me about it today. 
So I yeah. assume when you find out about things, you tell me immediately. <laughs> right? <laughs> right? <laughs> you better say yes. <laughs> but yeah, August 15th is a solid number. Feels weird having just talked about all that on the podcast. It's uh, it's good though. Something. I feel like it lets people lets people in, lets people know us a little more. Yeah, I'm proud of you for opening up about because we. Oh, I mean, no, we talk you. about a lot of shit, but yeah. Um, oh, I got some stories. <laughs> I've got. Oh yeah, I remember the time doing a bunch of drugs at a party, and I woke up with people standing in a circle around me, slapping my face. Being like, are you okay? Jesus. Like shit like that. Like Jesus, that is not okay. Yeah. I mean, that didn't happen often, but just little memories when I think back, I'm like, fuck, that was me. Jesus. Yeah, that's like, uh, how the how the fuck And knowing you now, I can't picture you doing any of that stuff. Like the hard drugs or anything. Yeah. I mean, I don't do any drugs today i lately barely fucking drink it's been like over two months since i had a drink and i was never like a huge drinker but maybe like once a week i'll get pretty pretty turn up you have you know, FaceTimed but... me at, on multiple occasions a little sloshed yeah. <laughs> seeing you in person a little sloshed <laughs> But hey, I was always a fun drinker. You know? No, you're, you weren't like, like mean or aggressive or anything. You were just goofy. Yeah. But still, uh, I was like, Phil is trash. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, I've I know people that they drink and fucking light switch goes off. And it's like, who the fuck is this person? Yeah, they like, just turn into away. Like, literally someone who needs to get arrested. Yeah. Or... Like, hey, I'm really hammered. Let me go drive somewhere. It's like, oh, you're, you're a piece of shit. You talk two um, inches from your face and just be nasty. <laughs> oh, hey, speaking of people that are just like, you know, you could see this as a metaphor for an abusive relationship or something. Like, it starts out, oh, it's all fun, and open that fucking door. And it's... It's weird when you're a spectator of it and you're like, oh, my God, they they have you wrapped around their fucking finger Absolutely. and you don't see it. But everybody else does like you're fucking possessed. Yeah, that's uh, that's the one thing about abusive relationships that they again, when you're addicted to like, you know, addicted to someone in that type of relationship, it seems like that person is the only one who doesn't see it because they're so wrapped up in the other person and being like degraded verbally and think they're not good enough that everyone around them sees it. And you can't even fathom it. You mistake that for love or attention, or you think they're going to leave you. I don't know. Yeah. And often the abuser preys on a vulnerable person, like a demon, much like Riley was preyed on in this movie. Absolutely. Cause he's susceptible to it. So that's why they wanted him. But is this a review for talk to me? This is I feel like this, <laughs> this is a review good. for uh, this is we're actually at a, a, a drugs addict, drug addicts anonymous meeting right now. We're actually <laughs> uh, we have a bunch of chairs lined up in a circle. Uh, if anyone wants to state their case, say their name, story, we're all for it. <laughs> well, hey, we've always talked about 
I kind of threw out the idea to you. I was like, let's do like a mental health episode. Just Dude, talk about all this type of shit. Because I know a lot of people that are just, they just silently fucking struggle. Yeah, and seriously. And it's good. It's good to be. And I, I already see like. Including me. Yeah, I, you've I mean, been so much more open. I feel like in the past or since I first started like knowing you and we've been friends for like what? Three years. Yeah, something, something like, that. like that. And <clears throat> I've always been pretty. I'm overly open. <laughs> I just tell anybody I'm too trusting at times. I tell everybody everything just because I have no. I just see no point to have secrets. You know, I'm I'm me. So I just let it out. I'm not going to. Yeah, I just like all listen to the podcast. We know yeah, you. Right? <laughs> <laughs> if everything's out on the table, then like you'll have no. Sure. Like you could disappoint people, but at least you're upfront about it, you know? Um, right. It's always good to just be honest with yourself and with people and get it all out there. So you're yeah. seeing the real you and you are a beautiful person. So you shouldn't have anything to hide from. Oh, thanks, buddy. Uh, <laughs> but it's something that I don't really talk about often, especially when I meet new people, because it's. Yeah, it was a chapter of my life that I've hopefully shut the door and blew out the candle on. Um, But um, like it doesn't feel like it feels like a different person. So and I don't want to be like attention seeking or anything like, oh, hey, I'm Phil. I used to do this and that. Like it's but if it comes up in like a natural conversation, I feel like. um, People see quote unquote trauma dumping as like off putting, but we're all going through something. It's life. Mm-hmm. We all, everyone is going through something, whether you want to talk about it or not. I feel like talking about your own experiences maybe could open other people up to talking about it or because that's who you really are. Like we are like, we aren't our mental illnesses, but to, in some degree, we kind of are like, that's us to our core, like what our fears are and what our goals are and what we're passionate about and stuff like that. Like that's who we are and what makes us up. So like talking about that stuff is so much more, uh, interesting, you know, rather than just like, uh-huh. how's the weather today? It's 90 degrees out. I'm fucking sweating. Right. Uh, it's fine. But like, I don't know. There's just so much more. I feel like if we, uh, open the door to more of that, internalized stuff then yeah like in the, a lot better yeah like in the proper time and place um yeah it's important to bring up and check in with your friends you know yes but you also don't want to be the guy that is constantly bitching about his life and no no sorry i'm speaking of somebody else. <laughs> you um that like treats you like a therapist and just it's like, Hey, what, a, what can I take from you? Like, here's all my, like, listen to my fucking problems, but, but and, offer nothing back or like, right. don't add like the one sided relationship. I feel mm-hmm. like is what you're, what you're getting at. Like, I, I can't stand people that literally talk at you and not talk with you. Cause like right. we're, we're both going through things. Other people are going through things. And like, I would never spew my problems at you and not ever like bring up what you're going through 
and you know see how you're feeling i wouldn't be like okay i'm done with you thank you for answering my questions see you later mm-hmm. I, I would never do that with that with anyone uh or to just dump a dump their problems on you but when you go to offer input or it's like oh i i don't i don't want that i just wanted you to listen to me bitch for yeah you know we should just uh <laughs> I'm thinking about just, one fucking. <laughs> there's been a lot of like one. Bill's person, tapping okay. his foot at 800 BPMs. <laughs> the fucking abusive relationship guy. Yeah, yeah, a lot of. Okay, moving on. Uh, a, lo- but, a lot of trauma, but it's but it's fine. It's all good uh, because the point yeah, we'll, is to be open and honest. VH, stop talking about. It. Okay. <laughs> I'm done. Nice. Um. <laughs> so. <laughs> Talk to me. The VH shit in your mouth in one second. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> oh, talk to me. Talk to me, baby. Um, yeah, Randy. Yeah. Do I make you Randy? Machine gun jubbly is hard. I miss those, baby. <laughs> <laughs> we went from starting the show at 40 year old virgin and we ended it with Austin Powers in a review. We talked about. <laughs> talked about a movie we got real about drug addiction and mental health and we ended it with austin powers shagadelic baby yeah <laughs> possessed um, any other thoughts on talk to me doug i feel like maybe as we've done this episode you might give this movie a rewatch, and it seems like you appreciated it more on the second watch i did update um, my letterbox today from a three to a three and a half. Uh, Come on. Maybe on <laughs> not even four. Doug. Out of five. Four is a big score. Uh, but I gave it four and a half. You gave it. A, you told me 10 out of 10 when you first saw it. There's a case to be made that this is a 10 out of 10. Movie. And I'm with you. I don't. I, I think there could be a debate for that for sure. I I'll rewatch it again and maybe it'll budge. But yeah, I mean, I definitely I bumped it up a little bit. You know, throw a little wasn't... half star on it. <laughs> it wasn't as average as I thought the first time. That's all I could say about it. Uh, but I did, I did, I I did enjoy it. Do you think that it had anything to do with hype or anything like that? Maybe I'm. I try not to listen to hype so much, but you hyped it up so much. Same. Uh, everyone was hyping up this movie. Everyone. People said it was the scariest film of the year, scariest film of the decade, horrifying, uh, nightmare fuel. So I went into, I went in ready to be hereditary again, and I didn't feel that. I didn't hate it, but I didn't feel mm-hmm. the same way I felt when I saw Hereditary and was petrified of like leaving the house. Um, yeah, but yeah, and you said you were very it, disturbed, and it it wasn't a window pisser as you. From the con, no, Conjuring <laughs> made me do that. But this wasn't like a jump. Scare and jump for those scare. that don't know, Doug, was, Doug yeah. said he was so scared by the Conjuring that you pissed out your window because you were too scared to get to the. I bathroom. did not want to get up and go to the bathroom. I did not want to leave my room. <laughs> Popped open my window on the second floor of a. I will give my address out now because I don't live there anymore. Two eighty eight Orchid Road, Levittown, New York, one one seven five six. You could go there <laughs> and see the actual window I pissed out of. Um, you can go to the spot. <laughs> if you go to that spot and take a selfie, I will send you free spook house swag. I, shirts, I will make you a fresh pasta dinner along with that. 
<laughs> uh, but yeah, this movie didn't make me want to piss out of a window, but it was it had really good imagery and really, really good, uh, you know, shocking stuff. Yeah, I mean, that's a uh, that's very fair. And and do you up your review since you saw it a second time? Possibly. I don't even know if you paid attention, but <laughs> after talking with you. What? On second? <laughs> you're like, oh, shit, that happened. Well, I'm fucking with you. I'm fine. Uh, no, no. You're, I mean, I'm. there's a lot of things that imagery wise that gets thrown at you. Lots of dreamlike moments. So it's easy, I guess, easy to forget like, oh, the the quick shot of the kangaroo at the end. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Are you are uh, you sticking with that four? You have it a four? Right oh, now? no, I gave it four out of half. Uh, four and a half. Four and a half. OK, I thought for some reason I thought you said four. You know what? Fuck it. Five stars. <laughs> I don't give a shit. Just five stars. Fight me, mate. Oh, you want to fight your fucking cat? <laughs> give it fucking five stars. I, I can't do it. It's going to sound British. I'll leave it to you. Oh, yeah. I'll give you five stars. All right. <laughs> I'll crack a beer bottle over your fucking head, mate. <laughs> I'll still say mate. It's fine. <laughs> um, Have you ever seen the Australian? Dude, there's a lot of good Australian horror, like Wolf Creek. You ever seen? You don't like Wolf Creek? No. <laughs> Dude, I love that movie. The second one's good too. Oh my god, I saw that movie in oh, I saw that movie in ninth grade, so I might need to rewatch it. But I remember being like, "Wow, this is a piece of trash." Uh, I I will give it a rewatch. I disagree wholeheartedly, but that's your opinion. I remember them being like tied up in some garage, and I was like, "What the fuck?" That's all I remember yeah. from it. Have you ever seen the loved ones? No, I didn't. That high school girl kidnaps her prom date and her and her dad torture him it's really good it's an australian film all right i'll have to put them on yeah. the list i haven't seen that i heard of it but i uh i will put it on the list for sure i can't think of any other australian movies no can't think of besides uh, kangaroo jack and appaloosa i got nothing there's, there's gotta be some but yeah there's definitely more i'm just blanking on them right now um all right doug any other thoughts before we get out of here uh, no, other than thank you for, thank you to everyone who listened, uh, to this hour and a half long, uh, love fest at the end about mental health and, uh, Hey, hope you be afraid got to get help. something out of it. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, definitely go see, talk to me in theaters while it still is in theaters. It is a theater movie. I would say so, especially with the sound design. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I'm, we're at, we're theater advocates for every movie, but if, you don't see this movie in theater in theaters. I think, uh, and go sub go support the Racker Racker brothers in a 24. Like this is a, this is a movie that needs to be seen in theaters to get these guys, uh, more work and everyone on this film did a great job. So I support, support these indie filmmakers, especially during. Yeah. And I mean, they were YouTubers. Yeah. So before we get out of here, I had a random thought the other day. It kind of seems like we're seeing a changing of the guard between uh, horror movies being in the hands of the major studios every time. Because, I mean, these guys were YouTubers that worked their way up to be able to put out this major motion picture. Yeah. Same thing with um, Barbarian Guy. Uh, Zach Krager. Yeah. So he came from the sketch comedy. The greatest kids you know. (laughs) Yeah. 
And the guy that did Skin of I mean, totally independent. So it's almost like the audiences are, it's kind of shifting to more towards what the audiences want. And as opposed to just yeah. accepting what major studios shit out every year, like here, deal with it. And, and the, I feel like a lot of the reason for that is that, yeah, like one, we're definitely craving new ideas. We're craving, uh, it's crazy how much horror has become, uh, how like, I don't know, like, I, I don't say we as horror fans, but, uh, horror, I mean, it's, huge genre, right now. it's so big and it's, it's gotten yeah. a complete resurgence because there was a time in the, you know, early two thousands, mid two thousands that it was just atrocious. We've lived through some dark times. Yeah. Yes. And it's finally, you know, we're finally starting to see the tide turn where we're getting interesting stories. We're getting new, like future cult classics in like Pearl and X and movies that really cut to your core and have meaning like hereditary is like the exorcist to me, like how people thought of the exorcist in the seventies. People think of hereditary because it cuts them yeah. deep to their core and it's smart and it's terrifying. Um, and they make these movies on such a small budget that they make the money back and they're like, let's just keep on churning these out because they don't need these big set pieces all the time. Like it's focused on the scares. Barbarian was such a sleeper hit. Terrifier two did insane. Yeah. In the totally theaters. independent, totally <clears throat> independent with Damon. Yeah. Young. Another good example. And, uh, uh, high West. And even I, I, I give a 24 so much credit for, uh, for giving opportunities to filmmakers with a unique voice. Yeah. Cause every one of their films yeah. down to their, uh, you know, their, their romantic movies, uh, their dramas, like with past lives, um, the whale, uh, bodies, bodies, bodies. And, I I know, but again, okay. yeah, no, I know it's you're a unique type of yeah. movie. Yeah, no, I, I get what you're saying, but I think in like 15, 20 years from now, this generation that's growing up with TikTok and everything, I think that you're going to see a lot more of this, like kids that just mm. taught themselves how to make movies, and we're going to see right. some really cool shit. Yeah. These kids and 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 uh, talk about the TikTok generation all you want, and I'm at fault for this. I'm sure you're at fault sometimes for you know dismissing these people, but they are very like they grew up with all this new technology, so they're figuring this stuff out day by day, and technology is changing constantly, and they're always up on it. So at a much faster rate, yeah, and we're still fumbling with our fucking iPhones. Like I can't figure out how autocorrect is working <laughs> and, but like yeah you're right like the like some tiktok star can be the new he could film a new a24 movie mate you never know who is gonna like you know really be captivated by something so small on the small screen and want to you know make the scope a little bigger that's what yeah. racka racka did with youtube and they got to deal with a24 so good for them yeah and apparently they're doing Street Fighter next. You know what? Uh, I mean, I'm sure it'll be cool. I'll, I'll check <laughs> I'm it out. So for it. But I mean, would I rather have a totally new and unique horror movie? Of course. Well, now that of... Nightmare on Elm Street is going to fucking Blumhouse, they can't take that. 
I mean, it doesn't have a director yet. Uh, as long as Scott Teams isn't writing so, it. Oh, fuck. Yeah. Please, God. I mean, hey, wasn't Get Out a Blumhouse film? Produced, but probably very loosely. Jordan Peele, I, I feel like his voice was so big in that, that Blumhouse was just like, this is great. Put it out under the Blumhouse. Well, I mean, Blumhouse is just a, like A24. They just distribute films. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, it all depends on if Jason Blum or Ryan Turek or Scott Teams or any of those guys had anything to do with it. I mean, Whiplash is one of my favorite movies of all time. And that was released by Blumhouse. So we'll save that for horror news. And I mean, we don't know enough yet to start shitting on it. I mean, God, I hope it's good. And I don't know how that stuff is coming out with the writer's strike. I don't know how room, how like uh, news is coming out with the double strike going on with SAG, but I have no idea, but we will save it for your actors and directors and writers and everybody. Amen, brother Doug. Okay. Well, we are going to get on out of here. Uh, Doug, I love you, my friend. Love you, baby. Man, this, this has been a good one. This was a solid um, one. I'm, uh, I really hope people listen to this one. Yeah. And if you're still listening, thank you so much. We really appreciate it. I have nothing else to say. So with that, <laughs> I can't fucking talk. <laughs> I forgot how to sign off of this podcast. Okay, we'll talk to you <laughs> <laughs> Alright, we'll catch you on the next one. Bye. I saw your face displayed upon a crescent moon that wavers up and down depending how the petals bloom. Doomed, always destitute, fused through infected roots, searching for a message, but there's nowhere left to exit to. Heart full of vestibule scars, show I'm resolute. Why seek a resolution? Narcosis, heaven sent. Heart grows beneath my feet, dark grows infested fruit. Too exhausted, need to breathe. Car smoke emits perfume forever. I've been inhaling the thinnest air, fist scales on my skin and hair. Says up, but you didn't care. Dancing like I'm Fred Astaire, standing on a finister, ready for the rocks below, chest full of rocket fuel, flammable, just another animal for fossil fuel, all my words are oxidized, jar of flies or molecules, I find solace in the solitude, everything grew silent when I called for you.
I saw God in a body bag I got lost in the stars when they crossed Like a polygraph, never lied Cardiac in every line, insomniac Forever, never go to sleep again Black lungs from the fallen ash Giraffe tongue with a heart to match Get sawed in half like the Dahlia Placed pain on display in Hollywood Painted all like Dollywood Face of war, fountain pens, melting countenances In a drawing book A psycho full of cyclones, eyes closed I go cold when I fly low Brains feed on haikus, eyes so Related in my temples, Cairo bones it from their homes like their silos. I'm silent. He'll tell me where the time went. Kill pyramids that followed with a knife grip, vice grip. So it's on the mind when the crisis hits. Everywhere it's like a mine. I step. I'm an atom bomb made of atoms, atom up. Adam's apple rotten, smash the applesauce. Adam up, no Adam Eve in anatomy. Only albatrosses if I have to speak. Another casualty of the casted wings casually. I'm high again, vibrant as a hyacinth. Idling, so I pretend that my defense is working. Lurking with the burdens that still have below the surface. I know these things have meaning, sometimes I don't know the purpose. Introverted, dizzy from the disconcerted tizzies. Mr. Perfect isn't worth it. Give me what I didn't earn. Put it in an urn, live and learn. I could Never tell the difference when I'm miniature Red alerts, red aloud like ministers It's hard to breathe when you're drowning in the goodbyes But I'm still here now, so tell me what it looked like They use a sword to signify that you're a good knight Then use the same one to kill you and say good night Good night, good night, good night.